Welcome back to Shred's Takes. I'm Mike Shredder. Glad you guys can join me on this Monday evening. And, you know, excited to obviously get back into talking a little bit more sports. The reason I wanted to come on tonight was to break down some NFL football from yesterday. And also the breaking news with regards to the NBA trade deals that are going on. And I think if a lot of people may have not realized what exactly just happened within the NBA, which I'll get into during this show. But I want to start off with, with my New York Giants and what they have been able to achieve, I think, this year so far. Now, they've achieved a bad record, and I think everyone is understanding that. The, NFL, the NFL's worst division is the NFC East, or the NFC least, as some analysts call it. But I think that the Giants have proven that you can adopt a formula similar to the Dolphins in terms of getting a coach that everyone buys into, right, as well as having a good defense, having a stable sort of running game, and then to trying to develop a quarterback, right? That's really where they are at. Daniel Jones has played very well the last two weeks. And think about it, the Giants have been a lot of games this year. They've been competitive, right? So beating the Eagles yesterday was a big stepping stone, right, in their chance. And now they have a chance to actually win this division. Do I think they have they will win it? I don't know. Um, I, I can't give you a firm prediction on that because this, both schedules are pretty tough. You know, the Giants have to play the Ravens. They have to play the Bengals. I think they have to play the Cowboys again and some other teams I saw too. Well, the Eagles also have a very difficult schedule as well. Do I think the Giants have a chance to win the division? Absolutely, 100%. I think they do. I wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago, but I think they got a chance now. Um, I think that you know, the Eagles' big problem is, yes, their coaching, um, I think, is a big problem. But I think Carson Wentz is the main problem for the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And I think it's, yes, made a talent around it. But he's also just trying to make too many home run plays. He's not making the correct reads um, all the time. Now, there's some plays where, like, you know, all you have to do is just do a simple pass and, you know, throw. And he just misfires. That's different, right? I mean, look, he, he has the second most – he has the most turnovers in the lead this year. Right. So you can't go and just say it's the coaching that's the problem. Now, that the coaching is a reason why Carson Wentz is probably doing so bad this year. But it's also why Carson Wentz just has, has, is just not very good this year. Carson Wentz had a good year last year. He's been really, really bad this year. And I think that for Eagles fans, it's been very frustrating because I think you know his, what his talent level is. But the problem is he doesn't stay healthy. And again, he tries to make too many home run plays where they, they, they don't always work out because of the talent around them. And I think the Giants kind of exposed that yesterday with the Giants having a top 10 defense in the NFL. I think they kind of showed that a little bit. They got a lot of pressure on them. They made things difficult for them. And that's really the kind of the reflection that took away. The Giants also, again, they kind of stuck to their identity. Daniel Jones was, was accurate. He didn't turn the ball over. They, you know, did a good job with the running game. They did a good job in special teams, right? And they had good timely possessions. They didn't score a ton of – they scored 27 points, but – that's not a ton, ton of points, right? The Giants are not a team that's going to score a ton of points, right? That's not who they are. But if Daniel Jones can be accurate and they can get a decent, you know, job from the running game, which Alfred Morris and a few other guys did a good job. They have a great defense with Bradbury and Martinez and a few other guys down there. 
right? They, they can compete. And I think that, you know, people should have some optimism as Giants fans, including myself, that they can actually compete and do some stuff in the NFC East. Now, I also want to reflect the fact that everyone is looking to crown the Buccaneers as the best team in the NFC after a game against the Carolina Panthers. So I think that's a little ridiculous. Um, I think that one game does not define if a team's the best team in the division. If you saw the, the Buccaneers the previous week, they played against the Saints and lost 38 to three. So for people to be able to gloss over that, I think is, is very unfortunate. And I think that it's not good for people to be able to just overlook things, right? You got to look at a team's body of work. They're, and when they're consistent, right, they, they can be one of the top teams in the NFC or the best team. Do I think they are the best team? No, no, I don't. And I think that's just because of their inconsistency, right? They need to run the football more. And I did that yesterday. And then Tom Brady about the option to play action where he can throw the ball with the floor. That's field, excuse me. That's where they're at their best. And I think that's where they you go from there. Last thing I want to break down quickly is just the Los Angeles Rams defense. And I think people are going to look at the Cardinals and they're great you know, Hail Mary, that really should never have happened um, against the Buffalo Bills. Now, credit to DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray for making a great play happen, right, and whatever. But I want to focus on the Rams because the Rams only allowed the Seahawks offense to score 16 points yesterday. Russell Wilson had two interceptions. He had no touchdowns, and they got six sacks on him, and Aaron Donald didn't even have any. Jalen Ramsey shut down DK Metcalf. So I think from that perspective, I think the Rams right now are the best team in that division because they have a balance. I think Stephen A. Smith, even though I don't agree with a lot of Stephen A. Smith's points, he does make a very good point in this regard. That's that they have balance, right? Jared Goff is a good play action quarterback. They have a three-headed monster running back where each running back averages four yards a carry or higher. Then they also have, you know, a top five defense against the run, top twos in points allowed, top three against the pass, top two in yards allowed. So they have that. And then, you know, the thing about it, like, you need a balance, right? Seahawks don't play defense. The Cardinals don't have a great defense. So if you have a balance on offense and defense, you're going to be able to do that. And also Sean McVay's guys, you know, I think that Ryan Clark made a great point today, sticking with what works, right? You need to adopt the running game. Now, Sean McVay is a genius. and can adopt things out of, out of kind of context or just kind of out of his playbook. But I think the fact that they know that a running game is where they're going to be successful. It's important. I think that's going to be a key for them going to that next step and achieving those next kind of heights. They need to be consistent with that. And their defense needs to continue to show up the way they're showing up, right? Jared Goff's got to be consistent. He's got to be accurate in those play action passes, which I think he has a capability of doing right. And I think the Rams actually have the most balance and I think they are the scariest team that people are not talking about. I think they're very scary. Um, and now going into the NBA, and I think people are going to be very interested to hear about this, and it's Chris Paul is now going to be a member of the Phoenix Suns from what it looks like. Um, the, op- the optics have kind of been, you know, agreed upon, and I think that this is going to be a great trade for both teams. The Thunder get Jalen LeCue, Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and I believe one other guy. And then the Thunder get uh, Nader, they get Chris Paul, and basically that's kind of the gist there, right? So now, look, they lose the Suns lose Kelly Oubre, who was, you know, an 18-point game scorer last year, who I actually like Kelly Oubre a lot. I think there's a lot of things he does very, very well. 
right? He's very athletic and shoot threes, gets the rim. He'll fit well in OKC because they're a rebuilding team. It's a chance for him to really show off and showcase himself, I think, which actually will be a good thing for him. Um, I think that is a hard thing to give up because I think he was a good piece for you in the future. But I think that Chris Paul will be a great mentor to a guy such as Devin Booker, right? You still keep DeAndre and you still keep Devin Booker. You still keep uh, uh, Cameron Johnson. You still keep Dario Saric. And I think those pieces are pretty good pieces for you. Now, um, I think going with that kind of deal, I think that you know, you look at the, the Suns now, people saying that they're not going to make the playoffs. I think it's a little absurd. Do I think they're going to be like a top five team in the West next year? They have that potential. I think that they can get there, but I, they're definitely, I think going to be a playoff team if everyone's clicking all cylinders, right? If they defend at a high level, I think they'll be there. Cause I think their success going into the tins and now from the bubble is promising. And I think that, you know, Chris Paul can add a leadership component to that. And you can see that what he did with a young team before they're definitely going to be a playoff team. I think depending where they see it, we'll see. But I think there definitely will be a playoff team because I think Chris Paul has proven that he can fit with young teams and lead them to a playoff. And, I, you know, the Thunder are not as talented as the Suns are. So I think that the Suns can – and the Suns have a great coach in Monty Williams. So I think that they can really do some damage now with a good point guard. And on the Thunder end, you know, Kelly Oubre is going to, I think, do great. I think Ricky Rubio is a good point guard that, you know, he's done he's – he's a good point guard that's done some good things. His shooting has gotten better over time too. So I think that there are su- success that you can, you know, get out of that. However, um, I think that there is more that the Thunder need to do in terms of they want to build a championship team. Now, I think that they're looking more to rebuild, which is perfectly fine. I think in return to rebuilding, I think these, these guys, the pieces they got are good pieces. And I think that – you know, the Thunder should be excited with what they have in the future. And that, that's just the way I look at it, too. So, I, you know, the Suns got kind of the better team for now, right? But I think the, you know, the Thunder have pieces they can build around the future. They can build around a guy like Kubi, Kelly Oubre. You know, Kelly Oubre, like people forget, he's a good player, right? So I don't think this trade's bad for either side necessarily. Now, I want to dispel the notion that I, if James Harden somehow goes to Brooklyn, that will be a major surprise for me. I know people are saying that he's interested in it and he's leaning toward that. I will be heavily shocked if that actually happens because there's no way that Kyrie Irving wants him to come there. How are he and Kyrie going to coexist? Him and Kevin Durant can coexist, but how are he and Kyrie going to coexist? I, I just don't know how that's going to work. And the fact that people are saying they're going to be really hard to guard well, that's going to take sacrifice. Do you th- like the thing is like, you know, you know, you know, just cause you have three incredible stars doesn't always mean it's going to work out. Right. And, you know, an example would be, you know, putting LeBron, you know, Westbrook and, you know, hard on the same team, right? Like that actually might work out better. Right. Because LeBron would be able to hold those guys accountable and LeBron would be able to, willing to sacrifice like he did with Anthony Davis. Right. I'm just not sure who's willing to sacrifice in that group. Right. If you're going to build three stars, People got to sacrifice, right? Look, Chris Bosch, right, in Miami. Kevin Love in Cleveland. And I think that, you know, Carmelo Anthony didn't fit in OKC as a prime example, or Houston because he wasn't willing to take that back seat. Now he works in Portland because he's willing to actually get in. He's fit into a better role in Portland. But do you think that Kyrie Irving is going to be happy averaging like 18, 19 points a game? I don't think so, right? Not having the ball in his hands at the end of the game? I don't think so, Right. Now he he might be one to sacrifice. I just don't know based on his track record. It might you know wanting to kind of be on his own team. 
and kind of be that second or that first or second option. I just think that's going to be tough for him to try to be the third option because he is the third best player out of those guys, right? Unless Kevin Durant comes back and just isn't anything that he once was. But based on workouts I've seen, I think Kevin Durant's going to be pretty similar to what he once was. And um, I, I, I don't see that happen. Now, if Harden were to move, Philly would be a better spot. I still don't think Philly would work that well because Harden would have to be willing to not, you know, dribble the ball for a long period of time and hold the ball for so long. And Joel Embiid would have to get involved in the offense because Joel Embiid is, is, again, when he has his his head on straight and when he's really fully engaged, he is arguably the best center of the game. Now, I'm still giving that to Nikola Jokic. I've said this before because Jokic is engaged more and Jokic does a little bit more. But Embiid is definitely more athletic and he's more skilled um, in the post, I think, because I think he has a little bit more capabilities. Now, Jokic, I, I thought that originally. Now, I'd say Jokic and him are pretty similar in, in terms of post skill. But Embiid's a little bit more athletic. He's a better defender, right? So, like, Embiid's got more potential. But the problem is Embiid doesn't always play like that. So, what are you going to get from him? If James Harden's there, are you going to get that same kind of dominant Embiid? Or is he going to just complain to the media that he doesn't get the ball? Because he's done that before, right? Now, from Houston's end, that, you know, you, either trade works, right? Like, if you're Houston, you'd be willing to get up, give up Harden for – Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, and maybe a couple of draft picks. Or you'd be also be willing to give it up for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons would fit perfect with small ball because he just drive and kick out to three-point shooters. That actually would fit very well. But I think the Brooklyn trade, if it happened, would make more sense for Houston, not for James Harden to go there, but for Houston. Because Houston would get a rim protector. They would get two shot creators mixed around with other three-point shooters. That would actually fit very well, right? The thing is, though, is like Stephen Silas wants to go into small ball. So if he wants to go into small ball, I think the Philadelphia trade makes more sense because Ben Simmons could be your five in a sense because him and P.J. Tucker, they could be the bigs, and that could be a mismatch for a lot of teams because Ben Simmons could penetrate and kick. He actually could you know, play a very good role in that. Now, you can't also wall up against them because they all can shoot. And I think that actually that, that trade makes a little bit more sense in the Brooklyn trade because – James Harden would, would be at least the, the quote-unquote best option on that other team. And also they get a guy that I think fits their small ball a little better. In terms of building for the future, the Brooklyn trade makes more sense. But I think for building that small ball for what they want to do now, I think that the Philadelphia trade makes, makes a little more sense. I don't really think Harden fits in either spot, but based on where they go, that's how I predicted going, right? I think Harden kind of Harden should just Harden fits in Houston. You know, I think that's where he fits unless Harden's willing to take a back seat or change his game a little bit. I, I just don't know if he's willing to do that. Cause I mean, again, he's playing like the best basketball of his career in terms of offense. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see how that progresses and about Westbrook. Right. You know, I, I've said that, you know, Charlotte or Knicks are probably options we were looking at. Right. We'll see. But uh, the last thing I kind of wanted to bring up though, is the Dennis Schroeder trade to the Lakers. And I think this trade is a really good thing for them I, I forgot the thunder also are getting danny green in, in terms and a draft pick for getting um for trading i'm sorry dennis schroeder to the lakers right so i think that dennis schroeder going to the lakers actually is a really good pickup for the lakers because unlike rondo he's much more dynamic offensively now now rondo is very good in the playoffs so i don't want to discount rondo he was a major key in why the lakers won a championship right I don't think Ronda will be there anymore after this point, but I think Schroeder also will take the challenge on defensively. Like he did chat. He did try to guard James Harden off the bench. Now, did he do great? Not necessarily, but like he did try and he, and you know, he has the capability of playing defense, 
right? He's also a guy that's a capable three-point shooter. He can penetrate. He can score. He can be that third option, right? And that could really – that doesn't put pressure on Kyle Kuzma anymore, right? And Kyle Kuzma can still be a bargaining trade chip for a guy like Serge Ibaka, who I think Serge Ibaka would be a great pickup for them, getting rid of maybe a Dwight Howard and Kyle Kuzma or Serge Ibaka. And I think that would be the next piece. If they get Serge Ibaka, I think their team would be primed to win a championship again. Because I think Dwight Howard did a great job in his, in his role last year, but Serge Ibaka is a better version of Howard in that role, right? Serge Ibaka's average career high in rebounds, career high in points. He can shoot threes, right? He can defend multiple positions. And, that, you know, for the Lakers, that's what they need, right? They need, they need kind of those really athletic centers that can guard multiple positions. Howard is very athletic, but he really can only guard fours and fives. Serge Ibaka can go out and guard on the perimeter like Anthony Davis can. Not quite to the extent that Anthony Davis can, but he can do that, that he has the capabilities of doing that. So I think that the Lakers are actually in prime position again. While these other teams are making you know good moves, I think the Lakers might have the chemistry pieces again that work well, right? Now, like getting James Harden in Brooklyn or Philly sounds great on paper, but that's how it works, right? I think adopting Dennis Schroeder, he's going to fit great in the offense, right? He can come off the bench, he can start for you, and he's a guy that brings that scoring punch for you. Serge Ibaka is another guy that can do that on the offensive and defensive end. So I think the Lakers, if they can pull off the Serge Ibaka trade too, that would be a great position for them too. Because I don't think Tristan Thompson's the answer, even though I like Tristan Thompson a lot. I think he's a great energy guy. They need a little bit more offense at that center position. And I think having Serge Ibaka there will make that a little bit easier going forward. That's, that's the show. And I encourage you guys to keep listening to the podcast. I'll be on once a week or so. And I will be back probably this weekend, and I I appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a good night, everyone.